0: Alrighty. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, Adventure Radio is here again. So um, today, guys, we've got an epic show for you. We have Andrew Locke. Andrew is a physiotherapist from Melbourne. Um, He's an ex-pro wrestling uh, WWE tryout. He's a world-class bench presser and uh, and he's one of the best physios in the world. That's how he's uh, often referred. So a really fascinating chat with Andrew about all things um, the body, all things movement, and all things uh, banter. So Andrew is um, is great. You guys are going to absolutely love it. So this show though is brought to you by Audible. Audible guys is uh, an audiobook warehouse with over two hundred thousand titles that uh, has absolutely everything under the sun that you could ever wish for. Over the last uh, over the last Two weeks, I've finished The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. Um, Pretty good book uh, about a number of different ways to be happier day to day. Um, I lost it with Gretchen a little bit when she said that she didn't want to meditate. She'd been recommended it by everyone, anyone, and everyone, and that uh, she just said that she didn't want to do it. So she lost all credibility for me there. Uh, But a good book nonetheless, not a bad book. Um, Originals by uh, Cheryl Sandberg. Adam by Adam Grant. Sorry, narrated by uh, Sheryl Sandberg. Uh, so Adam Grant originals. That's a good book. Tribe by Sebastian Junger. Now that's a f- fucking unbelievable book. Um, that's basically about how we function as humans. And uh, and again, down a, a rabbit hole that I like to look into and delve into about whether we're whether we're really truly doing things correctly um, in this society that we've built. I love the fact that we're going to go to Mars. I love the fact that we're going to cure cancer. I love the fact that we're going to live forever. That's all cool. Um, science is rad. Uh, art is rad. But there's um, there's an amazing part in the book, Tribe, where it talks about the fact that um, back when uh, the Conquistadors, for example, were uh, were taking over Spain and Latin America, uh, uh, North America even, um, uh, the, uh, the Indies, India, um, all all the, basically the conquests back in the day that uh, Europeans uh, took part in, there was thousands and thousands and thousands of examples of European um, conquistadors, European men going and living with tribes in the jungle and never coming back. Um, there was young children that would... Be brought back into European society, and it would take one conversation from the from the tribal elder, they'd be back into the tribe. When that happened, and the shoe was on the other foot, it was um, uh, lost my point there. Um, but the fact is, uh, there's never been one case of an Indian or, or a, um, a Mayan or an Incan or all of these um, all of these cultures that lived in the Americas. There's never once been a case of somebody going and living with the europeans because their their um their way of life was was better so um tribe really um delves into that a, mo- a bunch uh, amongst a bunch of other um interesting topics like um everybody's happiness is uh, everybody's perceived happiness always goes up in times of war times of uh conflict times of turmoil same as like they talk about with 9-11 after 9-11 everyone in new york city was happy for um for a couple of years afterwards, and treated each other in a totally different way that they do now, and that they did before. Um, it's a fascinating book. I think um, I I'm not a smart man by by any stretch. I'm not dumb, but I'm not I'm not smart. I often uh, I often think about whether we are doing things correctly with this um, with this society and culture that we've built. Um, yeah, I often ponder. I've also read. Uh, the Virgin Way by Richard Branson, which is unbelievable. So I'm always taking in, a, um, taking in a book in my hand and then I'm always taking in a book via Audible. This is the last two weeks, guys. So I walk my dog, I clean the house, I ride my bike to work. I When I'm walking to get lunch, when I'm doing this, when I'm doing that, I'll have a headphone in and I'll be pumping in an audio book. And uh, although I just mentioned that I'm not smart, I'm getting smarter. I definitely, I definitely am getting smarter. Um, so... Go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio and you'll get one free audiobook and a 30 day trial. We're also brought to you guys by Quash Creative, Q U A R S H Creative. Go to QuashCreative.com and uh, you'll see what the guys do down there. Great friend of the show, Sean Marsh. He put together our intro for the show. He is Quash Creative. And anything you need design wise in your business, then uh, Sean is your man. Quote radio when you speak to the guys down there and you'll get a free SEO report or a report on your existing brand. And we're also brought to you guys each and every week by Adventure Fit Travel. So what we've got going on, guys, we've got a whole bunch going on. So I'll give you a little inside tip. We've got uh, two Iceland trips coming up towards the end of the year, November and December. Then we have New Zealand early doors next year. We've got a mini Aussie trip. So that's a four-day getaway in Australia. We also have Kokoda Track and then we are about to launch Hawaii, the Greek Islands, and also Bali to round off the um, round off the financial year. Basically, we're uh, we're in the process of partnering with a bunch of gyms to start doing um, private trips. We've got an awesome offering there. So if if you're a gym owner and you want to know about um, giving back to your community, getting uh, getting money to give back to your gym, building a a point of difference in the industry, and uh, getting free travel, then contact me doc at adventurefittravel.com otherwise guys if you're just a general population member and you want an adventure fit holiday head to www.adventurefittravel.com you'll absolutely love what we do have a look there see what we got coming up and uh, other than that oh use radio for 10% off other than that here's the show now before we do this let's go over the ground rules rule number one no the hair or face.
1: And that's it! Yo! Discovery, roger. Go for deploy. Where did we come from?
0: Are we loaded?
2: Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Yeah, yeah
3: exactly.
0: <laughs> um, all right, so that'll probably be the intro of the show. So yeah, we'll keep we'll that bring it in now. But um, <laughs> yeah, welcome back to Adventure Radio, guys. We're sitting here with uh, with Andrew Locke. Before we uh, properly introduce Andrew to the show, we're going to start off. As usual, with a little uh, Tommy's tribute. Alrighty, welcome aboard, my friend.
3: As we'll we, uh,
0: as we spoke about before, <laughs>
3: guys, uh, for everyone at home, I'm sitting behind Andrew, and Andrew's he's, he's quite a big man, and uh, like you know, the you know, expression you never want to stand behind a horse. so I'm, uh, I'm a little nervous right now, so we'll see how the old steamroller goes. I've already had breakfast. You're safe. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> All right. set of pipes. But the funny thing about Andrew is he's the biggest man I've ever seen. He's basically a giant. (laughs) He could eat 14 chimpanzees. (laughs) But when I turn in the morning, I look up and I see him down to me.
2: That's glorious, man. <laughs>
0: Thanks, sir.
2: Great start, actually. Like,
0: move forward right now. So, actually, Andrew, believe it or not, yeah. Tommy said to me before the uh, the show, he said, I've actually yeah. written a really serious tribute today. Yeah. Um, so, so to put it into perspective, that was a serious one. That was quite serious, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've
2: actually got a mate who drives a monkey truck in a circus, so he'd be stoked with that. See <laughs> see that what, I mean, there's a, that's his serious
1: stuff.
2: <laughs> oh, shit. So we're all at home in that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. appreciate
0: <laughs> it. No, no, no not a problem. All right, Andrew. So welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on.
2: Oh, total pleasure, great to be here Yeah, yeah oh, Fine Friday
0: morning Yeah, yeah, or <laughs> Friday evening as you welcome us uh, into the show Yeah, uh, mentally. Uh, yeah. When I, uh, I went up to introduce myself to Andrew earlier today and Andrew said, uh, oh, good evening I said, well, yeah." yeah. funny thing <laughs> it's to in the morning, but uh...
2: <laughs> I, I start early, man
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, yeah, so Andrew, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and what you do There's no little bit about me, man All
1: right
2: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see, well, currently I'd say, okay, I'm, I'm classified as a physiotherapist, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, what I do is very different to probably any other physio in the world. Mm-hmm. So my work has been uh, developed probably over at least 25 years of uh, uh, pursuit of trying to be better at say spine work mm-hmm. more than anything. Now, the first day I ever came out in professional life, the head of the... Uh, practice where I was working, came up and said to me, "Okay, your job in the, is to be the best in the world at something." And she goes, "And I'm the best in the world at shoulders, so you can't do that." <laughs> and from there on, basically, I took on a lot of spine work. So I did a lot of shoulders as well. And mm-hmm. uh, for me, it's a it's a growth, it's a professional and personal growth. I started life probably expecting to be a professional baseball player. Mm-hmm. I played for Australia as a junior. Played in right. the junior world series. Cool. Yeah, I was um, sort of planning to take on the world and play Major League, and then I saw a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger in a magazine. (laughs) Yep. I thought, this is good, I'll be the next Conan the Barbarian, I'll do a couple of movies like that, and... (laughs) Twenty-something years later, I still haven't made one movie. yet
3: <laughs> but At least you're self-aware,
2: though. <laughs> I still got a plan. I'm going to be an extra in one of them somehow. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's out there. So yeah, then I just expendable uh, 74 or something. Oh, exactly. It's going <laughs> to make it somehow, uh, as long as I don't get cut. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, I just um, from there on got stuck into weight training. Mm-hmm. And as I weight trained, I thought I, you know, I might become a professional wrestler as well because I was getting a bit bigger at that time. I had long blonde hair down my butt, and I weighed about 140 kilos. <laughs> Yeah, I got an offer to look at uh, going to the States and go to wrestling school. And I continued to finish my physio um, degree. And then at that point, got injured and just stuck with the weight training. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, it's been a a pursuit of trying to be better every day. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, I've trained things like 100 days straight and done (laughs) every sort of program. On the book of, um, you know, how to make mistakes in weight training, <laughs> I probably wrote a few new chapters. So. Yeah. <laughs> so if you think you've done it wrong, don't worry, I've done it before you.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah cool.
2: And now, yeah, still in the, the pursuit of being better every day, being the better better at spinal
0: work and getting bigger and stronger in the weight training. Mm. Awesome. Um, two things that I definitely want to touch on. Uh, I actually want, really want to touch on the, the wrestling um, career, but, <laughs> but taking it taking it back to, I mean, you're here because you're a very um, highly renowned physiologist. So on and so forth. So when you say you're different to every other physio, that probably in the world, yeah, in the world, how so? Explain what you mean by so that.
2: Everything's about the personal journey, I think, and that's why when people say to me, "What do you think of Kairos? What do you think of physio? What do you think of osteos?" To me, it's never the profession; it's always the individual within the profession. You don't mm-hmm. disparage the profession. Mm-hmm. So to me, yeah, you know, I use physio as a tool to get to be better in science. What I do, so. You know, I've got the combination of when I first started studying, I did some postgraduate work with the McKenzie Institute who are um, very much a brilliant disc-associated group. Their movement pattern works and assessments are unparalleled. Mm-hmm. So I came out of that with um, a real focus on getting people better by certain methods assessments. And then over the years, of course, I, mean, I saw that there's not many people who understood weight training. Mm. And I really started to combine my understanding of weight training with the disc work. And then I sort of read a lot about work from the professor Stuart McGill, who's done over 300 published studies, and I read his work and saw how he fitted into the methods to which I was heading towards. And then kettlebells were coming up bigger. Now they started probably really hitting the the world in about '96, mm-hmm. and I think they really hit here about 2000. So I was basically almost like the first on the kettlebell scene. There was only a handful of us who actually had kettlebells really going at that stage. Mm-hmm. So I started realising the movement patterns that which were in integral to um, kettlebell use really were integral to all great sporting movements, the use of hips and not using the back. Yep. And then combined that with where McGill was coming from with his studies and then I had the opportunity to spend a few days with him and I'd read his book back to front. I actually knew what pages different tables were so I was able to talk to him about some of his studies and um, gave, sort of saw things from a different angle to which he saw it and By now, I've written my own work and I'm doing my own workshops and teaching people how I see things. Mm. Awesome. Yet every day, every time I think there's a rule that is unbreakable, of course, now I know that you'll always find the exception the next day. Mm -hmm. So you know, I could have written up probably what would be the definitive um, explanation of deadlifting. But of course, then from that, I suddenly realised that there's some biomechanics behind it, which can show me how I can find the exception to the Mm -hmm. rules I found. Mm -hmm. So it's still continuing.
0: So where did, this all, um, where did this all start? Because you seem very passionate, even having been recording for 10 minutes now, I can see in what you say and how you say it, the passion behind your quest for knowledge and whatever. Um, why physio? Like, What got you into this uh, role and going down this path in the first place? Uh, probably that's the difference why
2: I never made it as a professional athlete is because I probably had a fear of being, hey, if I get injured, what have I got behind me? Mm. So instead of competing like a lot of other people did, and comps were usually around about the October time, which was always exam time at unis. Mm-hmm. That wasn't me. Then I, mean, I just made sure I did my exams, I did my study, and I didn't compete. Mm-hmm. And then from there on, you know, life just takes off. I think so one you tell the- us you could have been the champ. Oh, could, could have been, been the been, man. There's no, there's no could have been about it, <laughs> yeah. I'm still working on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this journey is not yet finished, trust me. <laughs> right. yeah, I think the biggest thing that probably drives me is a body misdisorder. I wake up every morning and I'm small. Mm-hmm. I go to the gym to get bigger. Really? Yeah. Well, so that's well, yeah. basically what I reckon drives it. I, I'm never satisfied with size and strength. So every day I've got to get better and I've got to get bigger and I've got to get stronger. So I really just see it as a, a bit of a disorder which I think embraces a lot of great athletes. Mm. You know, a lot of great athletes even have personality disorders. They have dissociative personalities. They take on something else when they actually do their training mm-hmm. and they're different people outside of training. Mm -hmm. so um, I always say to people if you want to be successful don't ever try and be balanced in life yeah because balanced people are not good at anything yeah to be really good at something you're going to sacrifice um, you know either social life or you're going to sacrifice finance friendships yeah it's all going to be sacrificed because it has to be for you to reach your goals which are most important to you yeah so I think a lot of those you know I try and combine all that sort of thing with a you know a long term goal of being better than anyone else at spinal work and being stronger and being bigger
3: mm-hmm. so what about is that work as a detriment though like is that something like negative that plays on your mind of waking up in the morning going sure I need to do this I need to do this or you is it like a positive thing that like oh I'm man I embrace to... it
2: yeah yeah it's the best thing yeah, yeah yeah you know I used to write an excuse when I was going to school you know why are you late and I had to walk past too many mirrors <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Good fit the job. Yeah, so it, I embrace it. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. I think you have got to embrace the things that um, sometimes I think people look at look at um, things that you've got, which they might consider to be negative. You take the other side. What's the positive that it gives you? Mm. So I embrace the disorder that makes me think I'm small. Yes, yes. Yeah, gets Good. you in the gym
0: every day. Oh, fantastic! Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> that's not a bad way to look at it. Uh, yeah, it makes me yeah. kind of want to train now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, what about like what sort of when you first started going to the gym was it just mainly bodybuilding or did you look into powerlifting? Oh yeah, it was other definitely the bodybuilding and... thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It was definitely the Schwarzenegger influence. Mm. Yeah, seeing that and deciding, you know, yeah, I'll get like that in a couple of years. Yeah, a couple of months. <laughs> you kidding me? It's 20-something years later. Yeah, 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 I still haven't done it. Yeah. Oh, he's a good-looking <laughs> reader for sure. He's got it figured.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so going back to the physio stuff, so with the... Um, with the, uh, I mean, there's obviously a big rise in CrossFit, um, powerlifting's um, quite popular now, um, Olympic weightlifting's having somewhat of a, resurgent, a resurgence, and all these people are going out and... Uh, Outside looking in, training probably under people that don't know how to train them very well and, yeah. uh, and or training themselves off the mm. stuff they've seen on the internet. So like with your – you said you're, you focus on the spine. Um, a lot of our listeners are from one of those three areas that in their training, I Absolutely, would, ima- I would yeah. imagine. And um, I would imagine a good majority of them at some point will have or, or uh, ha- already have or will have some sort of disc issue or, or a back problem. Yep. Like, what are the big issues with the training that people are doing these days and how – like? As a, as a, somebody who has dedicated themselves to the spine, what are the problems that are out there, and how do we how do we alleviate them? I know it's a very broad You're question, picked it beautifully
2: because I mean the whole point you came in earlier was saying coaching. There's no licensing to say that you have to really have any qualification mm. to be able to coach, to be able to tell somebody how to do that. So you know, you gotta be kidding me if you think a certificate three or four is going to teach you how to deadlift. Mm. But somebody in that is going to tell you how to deadlift, and they're not going to tell you how to deadlift correctly because. Mm. Have they ever learned? You know, it would be very rare to find someone who instructs those things who actually understands what it really is a very complex lift or mm-hmm. an odd lift. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's a complex movement. Mm. Now, you don't have to be certified, but you need a, little, a hell of a lot of experience to start with and also to sure. have the ability to to accept that you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. You know, the better coaches certainly have been around for a long time and they're intuitively seeing things well. So the biggest problem is coming in and people attempting to – uh, I suppose it's the ego that comes in as attempting to lift too much too early. Mm-hmm. I spoke to the, the 10-time world champion, Ed Cohen, a magnificent powerlifter.
0: We had him on the show, actually. He's Ed, a good man, Ed. Super Ed, Ed yeah. Right. yeah.
2: yeah. And I said to Ed when we were discussing it at lunch day, I said, I think it takes a year before I would expect anyone who should attempt a max deadlift because I don't think it takes at least a year to get a technique under control. Mm. And Ed was quick to say he thinks it takes three years. Really? Yeah, to wow. actually become competent. Yep. And I look at that, and I also you know, look at a bit of a, a process where we say it takes 3,000 repetitions to become good at anything, to actually learn it to the level that you don't have to think as hard about it. Mm. Yep. Now, that means if you're doing 100 reps a day, it's going to take you a month. I don't know people who do 100 reps for anything. <laughs>
3: CrossFit tend to uh, do uh, it. They, they kind of finish <laughs> off in a month. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they come see you up.: so. <laughs> so, so if you look at that, it's going to take at least a year to get something solid and yeah, when you start moving heavier, it's going to take quite a while. Mm. So that's probably where the big problems come in, people who are attempting the PB or the max single. I use a rule which says if you cannot hold your spine in neutral with a weight, then you shouldn't be lifting it in those first couple of years mm-hmm. because the, the technicality is every world record is set with a flex spine. Mm-hmm. They're set with a flex spine because those people have got confidence and they've yep. spent a lot of time getting to control that position. So, if you get a beginner who starts off with a flexed spine, they won't be able to control it. They don't understand what it is to control a flexed spine. Mm-hmm. So, I teach people neutral work initially, but if they're experienced, they will transition to the flexion. But if there's no experience, don't expect them to stay neutral for a year. Mm-hmm. So, we, we tend to use that. If you can't control the weight in neutral, then that's where you stop. Yeah. And for beginners, if you want to talk about maxes and things like that, the coach has got to say, okay, we're talking about max with a neutral position at this point. Mm now what's the point of setting um you know a pb in the first year It's not going to impress anybody mm. except yourself mm. you really got to stay safe because then you got to have a longer career you'll be there for 20 and 30 years lifting and you'll get the, those that's world right. championships
0: that's right when mm. i um when i started crossfit we did the uh, crossfit total this is years ago now so crossfit was before weightlifting and before powerlifting i've i've wow. done a bit of the three yeah. I've done a bit of all a bit of the three and and be, been doing a bit, bit of powerlifting now but we did the um, crossfit total very early on which is squat press squat press is it dead deadlift yeah Yeah, just squat press and deadlift and um the the last deadlift i pulled a 200 kilo deadlift which is still the heaviest deadlift i've ever pulled like a month or so in and i've never been able to pull anything near it again because my (laughs) back was well that wasn't the one thing that did it to me but i had lots of back issues over a, a big period there and then still to this day i'm i'm not I, I think I just ripped it off the floor with the most rounded back and terrible technique. Absolutely, And, yeah. and I haven't been able to get anywhere
2: near it since. Mm. That's know? right. Mm. And that's uh, one of the classics. There's a coach in Melbourne who's very proud of the fact that he you know, pulled a 300-kilo deadlift at a young age. Well, he's been coaching now for over 20 years, and I think he said his best was something like 320 or 340 kilos. Yeah. yeah. Over 20 years, and you going – so if you grab that that you know nineteen twenty year old kid and said stick with me for these twenty years, <laughs> yeah. I'll put twenty kilos on your total. <laughs> You're going to be a great. straight out the door. Yeah, it's it? <laughs> like a kilo a year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's fantastic. So that's yeah, you've got a spine there that's relatively good and fresh and happy, mm-hmm. and then you've injured it under a particular lift. The thing then is that spine can never p- really perform in that position again until yep. it's rehabbed brilliantly to hit mm-hmm. that position again. Mm-hmm. So you sometimes have to peel the onion back and you go, okay, where's the weakness that allowed that to happen? Yeah. Address that, then we'll move back and, yeah, I'd have no problem saying you'll end up beating that quite easily, mm. quite well. But it's just got to peel the onion back and say, okay, we're going to look at where the weakness comes in and out and train that until yeah. it becomes a strength. So it's it-
3: Sorry, Bill. I'm I in? really interested in this, um, this um, like this idea of like pulling from a from a flex position. Yeah. So you're talking about from through the thoracic. Both, th- and, th- thoracic and, the, and lumbar as well. Yeah, so why, yeah. Why is that? <laughs> One of the love. benefits?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah
3: this is a, the
2: work that I do, and very few people understand. Mm. Is that um, there's a, there was a Professor Adams who's still around. He's in London, and his biomechanical studies demonstrate, and it makes just perfect sense when you actually look at a spine, you understand mm. it. Is the vertebral bodies are very very big structures, and the facet joints are small structures. In a normal lordosis, normal standing, and normal walking, it's about the distribution's about 80 percent through the vertebral body, and about 10 percent to each um, of the facet joints. Mm-hmm. That's in normal standing. But you want to unload those facet joints if you want maximum control of or maximum strength to be able to be borne through the bigger structure, which is your vertebral body. You want 100 percent of mm. structure through your vertebral body, nothing going through your facets because they're just bone on bone. Yep. Now the actual mechanism of the disc. Is the disc actually bulges into the bone, not outwards, if everything's going correctly and you've got a healthy spine. So when you actually load it, the spine actually pushes into the vertebral endplates, and you've got bone there which has certain structure which increases its holding when you're loading in that position, which is yeah. a straight spine, basically a flex position. Yeah. Jeez. So it's not 100 it's not saying you're end range flexion, but it means you come out of it to the point where you unload the facets and your uh, basically vertebral bodies are taking 100% of the load.
0: Really? In yeah. The
2: so there's a simple science behind. Uh. the engineering behind it. Yep. But then you've got to look at the muscles. Now, the muscles have a thing called the length-tension relationship. A muscle's strongest at basically its resting length, we normally say. And I I've, I've sort of made a postulation looking at Professor McGill's work, which I figured out the reason we perhaps go into that flexion position, which aside from then learning the vertebral bodies perfectly, it actually puts the muscles in the position to which they pull strongest from. So what I see is their mid-range. That's why the thoracic um, flexion – is to basically lengthen and get to the correct position of your thoracic Mm. erector spinae, Right. And then your lumbar erector spinae. So what happens is when you change the angle on the spine, it changes the shear force and the compression force. You lose your shear protection coming into or coming out of neutral and going to that slightly flexed position. So with the lordosis, you've got the protection of muscles that have a pull protecting you against the the loss of control. Mm Mm-hmm. But as you get better and better in the um, ability to hold a fl- slightly flexed position, then the muscles don't need that sheer protection because right. you're able to use your compression forces. great physics. Yeah, this, yeah, it's, yeah. All about, it's all about basically where a muscle pulls from the um, axis of rotation. Right. And you know, this is what's behind it.
3: Yeah, yeah, So I teach yeah. this
2: essentially as you know, if I'm rehabbing on courses, I'm teaching people how to hold neutral and what it takes to control neutral, and then we discuss how it changes and what the best position is, why world records are set in that position.
3: Yeah. And so then when would you start to transition someone from a neutrally from a trained athlete to, to someone that wants to take that next step and, it, and move into what you're talking about?
2: It probably takes a lot to do with the history because the biggest predictor of an injury is a previous injury. Mm. That's a classic saying and it's always been true. So if you've got an uninjured person and, you know, as we would say, a, a year of good training holding neutral, then I can start to work on that. Okay. Right. So, but you know, it, it, it takes the dedication for an athlete to commit to wanting that. Mm. You know, if you're just a weekend athlete and you're really happy about just getting stronger and enjoying the work, don't bother going to flex spine. Yeah. You're not trying to set world records. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. for a recreational person, happy to keep you in neutral and say, stay there. You're not going to get hurt if you do everything correctly. Mm. But if your drive is to take yourself to the next level- then you got to commit to the hard work of being able
3: to learn to hold those positions, and then make the transition. Yeah, because I mean, the biggest thing that I've learned um, as like in my, you know, very humble couple of years as a coach is that as long as there's no change of position as you move the bar, Beautiful. Then that's the that's kind of what you're looking for. But like mm. I mean, you can see someone that kind of kind of starts in a flex position, but if that's maintained, it's not nowhere near as bad as someone that just goes Boop, as soon oh, as they start it's, to move. That's totally fine. Yeah.
2: Um, yep. But it only takes one degree of movement at a vertebrae to bulge a disc yeah. and hurt it. Yeah, so it's um, pretty hard
3: to see. <laughs> it's it's yeah. fussy, impossible to pick yes. that one. Yes,
2: and so you know there was a study where McGill and um, a guy called Cholwicky did a study under I think it was a fluoroscope and they had palipers there, and one guy actually bulged his disc under the in, during the study, yeah. and I think it, it's demonstrated to be a one degree movement of the vertebrae. Yep, because he was distracted at the time. <laughs>
0: Two more cameras, bastard. lights, camera, action. Yeah, handle it, really. yeah. <laughs> it was, was tension the bicep, a little too much. Yeah, as we all would. Um, how much of this? Um, how much of this That's do you think extra. is just impossible to uh, impossible to control because of the fact that in human nature, people just want to. People just get so excited because if you could say, ideally, for for strength and for for gains or whatever you want to call it, like you'd work in the threes and fives range for, for a year, right? Would Quite you, easily, yeah. Would you agree? And then- well, you can go a
2: little bit higher some days, depending upon what the goal is. Yeah. So I'm looking at um one of the factors which will tell you about lower back injury is that um, it's endurance strength, which has a massive contribution as to whether a person will get injured or not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you might do threes and fives. You'll have to do multiple sets of them, but I'd also work a little bit higher to work on um, that endurance quality that needs to be mm-hmm. there as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because, I mean – it's, it's so hard like when talking about just my example of going like I, I wanted to go heavy like you three can. weeks in you know and, and yeah, all yeah, of like the male the te- there's always testosterone in oh, the room yeah. when, when you guys train with guys and guys are yeah. always like yeah fucking pull another one put some more on <laughs> yeah. it's, a footy, it's
2: a footy coaching time <laughs> yeah exactly yeah.
0: but it's like it's ingrained in us Yeah, you know like unless we can educate every coach uh, across the planet you know mm. that's and even if that's the case like I've had really good coaches that have been like yeah, let's just let's Kill put on, it yeah, yeah yeah it's just yeah. so hard to to Stop that <laughs> idiocy of just like loading up the bar and before you're really ready. Yeah, because no one wants totally. to wait. No one wants to wait really a a year do they?
3: <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I was I was three months at school. I, I actually learned weightlifting at school, which I was really lucky. Yeah. Um, uh, lucky about, and we were sort of two three months before we um, could move off the stick. Mm,
0: that's good. And it good.
3: just pissed me off. I was just so boring. <laughs> but like, I'm so happy for it now. Oh, brilliant. That's know? great. Yeah.
2: So it was good. A uh, dear friend of mine who's a, a martial artist, a fairly high standing. He was saying that when they were teaching kendo in Japan, he says the first thing they do is they teach you the most basic cut, one cut, and he says you'll do that for six months. He said you might start with 500 people. By the time you got through six months, you've got 150 left because everyone's bored to tears of doing that one thing. Then you learn your second cut, and you're going to do that for six months, the two cuts. Well, you're going to be down to 50 people by the time you've got six (laughs) months down. And he said by the end of the process of learning your basic cuts, you've got five people left out of 500. Yeah. And that's basically the people who are going to not get injured. They're the ones who are going to work well. And Jackie Chan and ones- Bruce Lee. Yeah. Um, yeah that's pretty pretty Donald Trump. Look at them all, the great ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you're right. The, the strategy that I think a coach has got to do is have to be a great communicator. You've yeah. got mm. to understand each person. Because the person who wants to go out there and set that PB too early, well, it's up to the coach to be able to communicate to mm. that person effectively mm-hmm. about why the goals are still good. About why they've got to be able to work within the framework and not doing that. Yeah. Yep. So it's all about communications, the yeah. psychology of lifting and the psychology of communication. Mm. For sure. Yeah. So if you can communicate well with your lifter, you can harness that drive, but in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. There's the challenge. How many great coaches will both both the mechanics plus a communication ability? Yeah, that's right.
0: That's the so much of the battle is the communication side. <laughs> Huge. Like I I, um, I yeah, I find that there's there's, you know, a good coach is somebody that has one or the other. You know, communication communication uh, is on point, and knowledge is okay, or it's knowledge is absolutely on point, but can't communicate it that well. They, they might make a good coach, but the great coaches are yep. the people that are able to do both. And they have the knowledge base, and they can communicate with people because if mm. you can't. I think you see it. You see the the, um, the communication, the human side, not too well. Like so many people have so much knowledge, but. Can't relay it well mm. enough, and, and get people to work in their own fa- in their own benefit. Yeah. you know, to, to like we're talking this communication, yeah. like it's in your own benefit to not load up and go heavy and do silly things. But like to get that point across isn't always easy. And, but it's also tough. like understand
3: personality types. Mm. Like I mean, you could say that to. To a ton of people and go, oh, you know, like, hey, let's just have a quick chat. You know, Rome also built a data, yada, yada, yada. But if you've got someone who's extremely egotistical, you've got to find that sort of balance between like keeping that because that's probably building his confidence, but also saying, hey, you know, let's just build this sort of statically rather than just going for it, you know, tomorrow.
2: Totally there because mm. realistically, the way I work in with my clients is, you know, I'm making sure that realistically they're taking possession. I'm not treat. I don't actually treat anybody when it really comes down to what. To, uh, traditional treatment would be. I don't mm. put hands on people. i it. not. Because essentially what I say is that all you're doing is treating pain if you're doing that. Mm. And that doesn't fix anything. My my th- approach is why did you get pain in the first place? Let's examine that. Let's find a solution to the reason you've been hurt, getting hurt and solve that. Yeah. You solve that, you're not going to get hurt again. Yes. And so within that, it becomes very much about the person taking um, their own control mm. and saying, okay, you're in charge of your, your training. I'll give you the guidelines. I'll give you the rules. If you're, you know, really taking this on, mm. you take possession of your um, rehab, rehab mm. and I'm the guide. But mm. I'm not there to do it for you. Mm. I can tell you what to do, but you've got to commit to it. Mm. So, you know, I explain to patients. I expect you to do three thousand reps of this by this time. I expect you to do 1,500 of these. Mm. You know, this is how many you do per day. The idea is to to get a good dialogue, good communication, where they own their treatment, mm.
3: and that that way is much better. Well, I mean, that's probably the hardest thing as well. Like, if, I'd, I'd say physio and sort of rehabilitation programming is, is harder to adhere to than the than, than coaching program because mm. it's like it's so incredibly tedious like I mean I, I like I've just been I remember for me personally I had a couple of stress fractures in my back as a kid mm. and especially as a kid you know you just want to get back and play footy you just want to get back in the gym <laughs> but it's just you can't you know and you do one thing wrong and there's a bit of pain there and it's just like you know the emotion starts feeding into it. Will this ever end? And you know, very so, much. So, what sort of advice do you give to people? You know, just sort of taking it one step at a time. And
2: well, once again, it's going kind to of depend on how we communicate. Yes. Have we got a visual learner? Have we got an auditory learner? Have we got a kinesthetic learner who's coming to see me. Mm. So there's no point in me talking to a person who's a kinesthetic learner. I'm going to have to work with them in the patterning and make them feel what they're doing. So it all depends on that. Once again, communication strategy. Yeah. Uh, you know, my practice is a lot different to everybody else's. You know, I've got a power rack in there, a lifting platform, mm. bench press. You know, dumbbells, kettlebells that go up to ninety something kilos. Okay, yeah, for a session. <laughs> yeah. walking every morning, going. Yes, I love this place. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, I got a library behind me that's bigger than most medical libraries. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, it's very much set about. Okay, we we might do some basic you know, activation style drills, but we're going inter- to incorporate it into getting back on lifting. Yep. So, I, I get people back into lifting as rehab. Yes, yes. So, you know, you might be a conventional lifter, but I might have to get you going sumo because your butt's weak. Yes. So, I'm going to get you really become darn good at sumo that'll transition and help you, you're mm. conventional. Mm. So, that's the um, ability to get somebody doing something that they want to do instead of being bored to tears. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. get the first couple of weeks, you got learn how to communicate with the muscle. But from there, integrate the communication into a movement pattern. Mm. Movement patterns are the key to success. Mm so mm. that's what we really aim at, good movement patterns. So, so,
0: yeah, sorry, you it. So, so we talked about like, uh, the fact that a lot of the programming and going heavy too early is one of the causes of problems. But sure. uh, that was my next question is um, how much of the movement pattern or movement patterning and maybe say bracing is the issue? Because me, as an example, when I walked into um, PTC, um, powerlifting, and I started talking to Alex about deadlifting and bracing, it was totally different to the bracing that I'd been doing as a weightlifter, yep. as a as a as a um, crossfitter, as a general populist trainer. You know yep. what I mean? So, how many people do, do you walk in and say, right, let's break down your actual movement pattern, like you say, and teach them to to brace properly? Is that the biggest kind of key? It's certainly, very early on?
2: in back back work is learning to co- hold a isometric contraction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a great lifter back from oh, I think it's 1940s almost. A guy called Bob Peoples. Peoples set one of the great records that didn't get broken for decades. Now, Peoples was a guy who had perhaps a fairly short torso, relatively long arms and long legs, and he developed a situation where he exhaled maximally, mm-hmm. dead opposite to what pretty much everyone's really? ever taught. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it and you try it yourself, if you exhale maximally and you use your abs to push the last bit of air out, it's a big contraction. Oh,
3: yeah.
2: And so he used that, which is the dead opposite to what a lot of things are taught. Now there's one or two people I've actually used that strategy with because they brace better if I teach them to exhale hard mm. and use their abs to then contract. So once again, it's on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Right? So but that's they're...
0: how I. That's how I brace. That's how Alex taught me to brace. Great. Lock lock the ribcage down. Exhale all of the air. Hard. Yeah. And then and then you feel absolutely rock solid. So what's the other technique that you would use? Say the the more conventional because like the 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 opposite um, side of the story that I was used to was. Breathing in, like into your diaphragm. Pushing
2: against the belt and things like that. Yeah. That's commonly taught as well. Mm -hmm. There are those who use that really effectively. Mm -hmm. And basically you might find someone who, from a simple plank movement, gets a good feeling for that position there, which is basically just a neutral position held Mm -hmm. strong. Mm -hmm. And they can connect with that and they can use that as a good bracing strategy. Mm -hmm. That's probably what you're going to use with a lot of especially beginners who've never really lifted very much mm-hmm. that's a less complex strategy just to learn as to be able to say, learn the plank the side plank let's integrate that into the movement what you got there mm-hmm. and you know there's another great one which we call the, uh, the max plank or the RKC plank and it's a mechanism of once again increasing the tension in that position so for the beginners, I would start with more of that, and then as they move up, I'll use one of the other two strategies,
1: mm-hmm.
3: exhale or inhale, depending Still which you like. I feel like the breathing in strategies. Like it's a fine line unless you like – because, I mean, yeah. everyone that will breathe in will flare their ribs and then they'll lose <laughs> their spine. You know, So it's like, <gasps> like oh, you've, got, you've gone completely. You, know? yeah,
2: you picked it well there. See, I always say that weight training should be looked upon in the same way you'd look at if you want to be a Formula 1 car driver. Yeah. When you walk into the gym, you haven't got your learner's license yet. You haven't even got a learner's permit. You get your learner's permit. Okay, get used to it. you got yeah. to learn. Well, once you've got your learners, you've got to pass to get your P plates. Mm. You're going to spend a fair time being a probationary driver. Yes. Well, This is a gym. You're going to become a probationary you know, trainer. You've got to respect it the same way. Now, do you do you let that P plater jump into a Formula 1 car straight away? Yeah. No, they'll crash. Exactly. So that person's got to get experience on the road before they can say, yeah, you know what, I don't want to do racing car driving. Great. Well, guess what? You're going to start in Formula 4. Mm you going to start in Formula 4, you might do uh, go-karts. It's going to take you a while to respect the fact that you're going to get to Formula 1 after a hell of a lot of effort.
3: Yeah, definitely. People,
2: people think, oh, I'm going to become a world champion in a couple of years. Well, there's federations that allow you to do that because they don't have enough competitors and they've got the history behind them. Mm. You know, same thing happens in a lot of sports where they dilute the, um, you know, a lot of the, the pool because people aren't prepared to wait long enough to become great. Mm. And mm. they don't want to see their records up against the really great ones. Mm. You know, they want to look at it in a smaller pool. Yes. A lot absolutely. of ego in there. Mm. So, um, you know, if you look at weight training along the same way as if you wanted to be a Formula One car driver, mm. it's a long journey. You're going to have to work, to work on it.
3: Well, I mean, it becomes a lifestyle. I mean, the, the the way that I. Training now is because I mean, I don't even think about it as training, I just think of it as like my, my life because it just coincides with what I want to do, which is just improve as a person um, every day. Mm. And but I like if I for me personally, I don't know, it seems to work for some people, but if I just was constantly like, All right, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, I'd just be. I Just wouldn't, number one, I wouldn't enjoy every day, and I just get bogged down because I'm mm. like, this is fucking shit. I don't <laughs> want to do this, you know. I just want to get my deadlift here a little bit better, you know. But it, yeah, it's got to become a lifestyle for sure. You that know? is
2: for that person who wants that, yeah. And you, you pick it well, you know, find the passion and pursuit that you love in life, mm. and that's the thing you should be you know, really enjoying. Mm. You know, don't do something you don't enjoy, yeah, exactly. Unless you're particularly a, a strangely psychological person who enjoys the fact that. Hey, not I'm, I'm not it. enjoying this. I'm going to keep doing more of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, yeah. There are certain some people simplistic. out there who we <laughs> say, you know, they can snatch the defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> Those people who love doing that. <laughs> I've got to screw this up. I just can't stand, stand success. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, it's an interesting thing. Is you know, with my job is to really get people back to their coaches. So my time is really spent in correcting it and then sending the information back to the coaches mm-hmm. and the client as well. The client's the one who's got to possess their own rehab. They've got to class, you know, possess their life, really. Mm-hmm. So cool. that's, that's the essential movement I have to go from. So people don't really train with me. They learn technique. We just define structures and then they go back to train. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's very rare that I tell somebody I almost can't even imagine telling anyone they can't train. Yeah. Mm. you know, hey, I can tell you to get your knees and do bicep curls. It doesn't matter if you get along, I can get you in the mm. gym doing something. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, the definition of insanity is pretty clear. Yeah. Doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. Mm-hmm. So when someone says, oh, you've hurt yourself, just go rest, well, that's useless because all you're going to do is you're going to come back, you haven't changed a thing, mm. and you're going to get hurt again. Mm. Mm. So you've got to change something. And the stats on the back, back pain are pretty clear. You know, 80% of all people will get back pain at some point in their life, and ninety at least 90% of those are recurrent. Yeah. Really? just Yeah. And wow. So it's pretty clear that all that happens is people get hurt, human bodies get better because they heal. Like if you cut your finger mm-hmm. four weeks later, you're feeling better, but you haven't changed the reason you got hurt in the first place. Mm. And my job is to change the reason you got hurt. Definitely. And they're usually pretty straightforward things. There's posture. Posture's a massive influence, what you'll do all day, how you'll sit, how you'll move, <laughs> yeah, movement patterns. <laughs> yeah. Classic things there. Um, you know Weaknesses. Uh, Endurance problems, Mm -hmm. they're the things you've got to sort out. Mm -hmm. That's what I especially do. So that's why I'm very different to physio. You know, I know Pilates is absolute rubbish. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. if you look at. Alex
0: actually, uh, Alex uh, (laughs) Deeks. Um, actually said, oh, Andrew, geez, there's a few things you should bring up with him. <laughs> yeah, Make sure you bring up Pilates, <laughs> yeah. Charles Polican, what else did they say? Charles Polkin and uh, a bunch of, other, bunch of other bits and pieces. Oh, <laughs> I had it on here. Pilates, Charles Polican, um, chiropractic and WWE. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I was WWF and I wanted to be doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just that, you know, there was a paper that was written uh, about 25 years ago called Muscle Control, Pain Control, What Do You Choose? And that was coming out of the University of Queensland and it basically said that transverse abdominus and multifidus muscle were a force couple. Well, they're not. You know, even the first-year exercise science students should know that. A mm-hmm. forced couple is very clearly defined as two muscles working on the same joint. Well, transverse abdominus doesn't mm-hmm. attach to a single joint. It mm-hmm. attaches to a fascia. Mm-hmm. So what happened was a lot of people read the research, wow. didn't bother reading the quoted references, and which I got the good fortune to do up when about 15 years ago, I started to realise that I felt there was quite clear they misquoted the references, that in fact it it just didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And when you go to it, it certainly doesn't. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately what that meant was Pilates reformers were being sold to everybody. And a classic for this is when I started a practice up, I had this physio came and saw me who had a a fairly well-known practice and he goes to me, do you know anyone who can teach Pilates? He goes, I've got one of those reformer things. They make a lot of money. Now that was really (laughs) telling to me. He didn't say to me, "Isn't that obvious?" I've got this this Pilates thing. (laughs) Yeah and it fixes people. He just yeah. said that. He yeah. just said, this thing makes me money.
3: Exactly, yeah. What a legend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah.
3: It's no. like those people who go, oh, yeah, fuck, man, like, can you just help me out with my back? I've been seeing this physio for five years, and he's really good. Like, he's a, he's a really good physio. I've been seeing for, obviously, years. Like, I'm doing medicine, <laughs> yeah. but... He uh, puts this magic spray can't... on me
0: that cost me 100 bucks yeah. a, a, a spray. Yeah, it's called sunscreen. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> well, it's good. Apparently, it fixes me. Can you help me out?
2: Just it just astounds you, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the, the whole thing is, you know... It was pretty, you know, physio- Cairo's got a bad name from the point that, you know, people were always saying, oh, the Cairo gets me to come back next week and come back again and come back again and, you know, it seemed like, a, you know, you've got to be adjusted and stuff like that. Well, I think a lot of Cairo's moved away from that because they've become much more, you know, really picking up the science. But I look at physios now with their Pilates studios, and they're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it about this? Why aren't they saying, yeah, you'll need six party sessions, you'll be fixed, you can transmission, you don't need to come back. Mm -hmm. But instead they're saying, yeah, you've got to come back twice a week and there's no end to it. Mm, They're doing the same thing they're decrying chiropractors for Mm -hmm. and they don't see it because it's making the accounts tick over. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately that gets in the way of, you know, a lot of people. There's a lot of people I think in the health industry who are, Looking at how much they make, rather than am I really doing a good service yeah. in the health profession? Yeah, yeah,
0: you know, that's important to me. Is that's well, the health profession? Yeah, that's right. You're supposed to be fixing people ideally in one session. Yeah, and then never seeing them again. Yeah, I give like would- you were the best at your job. That's what it should be. You have no And then clients. you would actually get. You would actually always have work. Yeah, because be the, the results would would be there. But yeah. most people. Um, if you're good at communicating with people and you do a shit job you're probably going to do pretty well in business yeah. and you're going to be fine but you're going to be very ine- inefficient so why is Pilates why, why is it so inefficient like I mean I, I've done Pilates before I got uh, when I had really? back issues yeah when I had back issues I was sent to a, um, <laughs> do you still have back issues uh, yeah. uh, that's a yes. little bit yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah I did Pilates <laughs> a few years ago and I found it Difficult, which normally when something's difficult, I, I'm normally like, well, this must be doing something positive because yep. it sucks. Yep. You yeah. know what I mean? So, but for. Like heroin
3: spe- withdrawal. Yeah, yeah. Look. <laughs> for
0: specifically for, for major back issues, is it just so. <laughs> what, what, what's so inefficient about it? Is it the fact that it's just body weight weighted like it's very... Not at
2: all. Body weight's great. Mm-hmm. But so the you... funny thing about it was people say, oh, this is hard, therefore it must be good. Well, the rumor <laughs> is that you know making love standing up in a hammock's pretty freaking hard too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> is it going to make the experience hey, so much greater? That's good in my opinion. <laughs> we'll making love be, anywhere anywhere. good. for a test drive after this. We'll, 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 we'll <laughs> let the viewers know. We'll have to get it. a reinforced <laughs> hammock. <laughs> 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 oh, hang on,
0: wait.
1: We'll get the webcast ready. Yeah, come with the
2: reformer. And so, yeah, whether it's hard or not, it's... Does it translate to normal human movements? Mm -hmm. Well, what sport stands on a sliding thing with springs and things? Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe you can talk to me about skateboarding, Pilates World Championships. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but we perform with our feet on a ground that isn't moving. Yeah. So what the hell are they doing? Lying on their back, waving their arms around with you know, and legs around like dead bugs, Mm -hmm. and going, "Oh, this is really good." You know, you know what the there's no Mm. translation to. Mm Real, functional human performance. Yeah, definitely. So humans perform either one foot in the ground, two feet in the ground, basically in most of our sports. Mm-hmm. So you practice on a stable ground. What got confused by a lot of professionals is the difference between balance and stability. Right. Stability is what a pyramid is. Mm-hmm. A pyramid's got a big base and you know, the centre of gravity is over the centre of it. That's stability. Now we're trying to build spine stability.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Balance is training with the opposite. It's unstable surfaces. Now, we're trying to make spines more stable, not balance. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're in Cirque du Soleil, you need to learn balance. But I'm seeing weight trainers come in. I'm seeing crossfitters come in. I'm seeing Olympic lifters and powerlifters. We all perform on a very, very stable surface. So your rehab should be stable. Not silly wobble boards, silly BOSU balls, those stupid fit balls. And Pilates performers—they do not translate to performance for athletes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty straightforward. That's science. Makes mm. mm-hmm. pretty uh, common sense, isn't it? But still, those things make money for people, so still, they'll work. Mm. Yeah, I always said, you know, realistically, unless you know, what third-world country would consider Pilates to be exercise? Mm. you know that doesn't make sense yeah yeah you know, in the first world it's a first world problem yeah yeah that's interesting what educational qualifications did joseph palatis ever have mm-hmm. well as far as i see he was basically just a salesman who was trying to create things to basically make a lot of money mm-hmm. if you look at some of the inventions that he made they were pretty wacko
0: mm, i don't know about him what did he
2: make oh he made something that you know, was lying in the bed exercise machine i think he had one in the doorway that was something used between the bed and the... um.
0: Did he come up with the invisible toaster or...? <laughs> I think if he could have sold you <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it worked.
3: I, I think if he could have sold me, would have. <laughs> yeah. But um, it just so, makes so sense that, like, if you just... If someone came to you, if someone even came to me and said, oh, you know, it really hurt me back picking something up, I'd be like, okay, well, let's try to... How'd just, you pick it up? Well, how'd you pick it just up? Show me what you did. Yeah, exactly. There it is. Isn't that obvious? That's the first thing I pretty much do with people. Yeah. You
2: know, I watch how they walk in straight away and it's going to tell me something. Yeah. And one of the first things I say is, show me how you bend forward. Yeah. If you drop your car keys. What would you do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Show me how you squat. Yeah, What exactly. do you do? What do I see there? Where do you lose your core? Mm. Great, okay. Is it structure or is it function? Mm. I can test that. I can tell you whether your structure's the problem or whether it's functional, whether mm. you lose control somewhere. Mm. And then we rehab that. Yes, perfect. So you rehab the movement that the person performs. Mm-hmm. Don't make them do things they're not going to have to do, mm. or that are irrelevant to their recovery. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's going to waste their time. And hell, I'm giving people enough exercise to do every day anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's do what we need to focus on for excellence in performance.
3: So, how many sets of dead bugs do you give people normally?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just usually give a, a hundred, um, say, clams, well, it's about hundred reps, <laughs> hundred reps per butt per day. At least. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Usually yeah. two hundred and fifty, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> and you I'm know, it go, doing that. It goes back to the point that people are hurt because of our evolution. And the fact is um, we've worked in ways which are calorie-efficient to survive in nature. Mm. Now, that's because you had to try and find calories to survive with. Mm. We don't have that problem anymore. But now we're also sitting in chairs for hours. So the evolutionary strategy of using the um, elastic structures in your spine to basically do a lot of your movements and static postures are working against us now. Mm. So you know we've had you know, hundreds of thousands of years of homo sapiens and probably two-point-something million years of actually um, relatively original heritage and it's all come down to efficiency of movement mm-hmm. but we're not moving yeah. so we're using these structures which are passive to suddenly load up for 8 to 12 hours a day and sitting and then we go and lift with those same fatigue structures yes so I actually have to teach people to almost move in what we would say is in an evolutionary sense it's less efficient because it uses more calories I've got to teach you to turn more muscles on to sit mm. and to move mm. Which that would be the strategy you'd use when you had to pick up the uh, the um, woolly mammoth steak? that you just you yeah. know, you had to carry home. Yeah. That's when your muscles came in. Definitely, definitely. But on the normal human movement to touch the ground, well, basically your
3: muscles don't do a lot there. It's your fascia and your ligaments that give you elastic recoil. So this is this is a question, this is probably a little bit off tangent, but I've always found really fascinating is like picking up a bar cold, right? Hmm. If we were going to go out there and we were going to, like you said, pick up your, your woolly mammoth steak or something... Yeah. Um, when I teach people to pull the slack out of the bar, there's mm. just a hell of a lot of muscle recruitment there. And it's just almost like when I'm, yeah. when I'm showing people how to do it, I'm getting so red in the face and it's <laughs> fucking 40 kilos on the ground. You know? yeah. so, but, but it's like, you have to do that almost to where the bar comes off. As, yeah. as, you know, speaking about evolution, all this sort of stuff then, is it, if we know how to move right, is there is it or, you know for lack of a better way of saying it sort of healthy to just be able to pick up something cold because we would have had to have do that done that sure, back in the day you totally
2: know? Yeah. yeah and you pick up cold because your pattern is perfect and mm. you don't have any other way of moving now yeah so we replace that inefficient strategy well the one that's hurt you mm. with a new strategy that you have no choice in being able to perform mm. so as I say I always say it takes three thousand reps to learn a skill. So if I'm going to stop you bending out of your spine and make you use your hips, it will probably take at least 3,000 correct performances so that if you drop your car keys, you're going to shoot your hips back, you know, keep your neutral spine and you'll flex through your hips. Mm. Great. Mm. But that's what it's going to take. So Mm. you're right. We're changing the strategy so it becomes
3: the strategy you only ever use. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's good. So would you ever, like, promote that? Like, you know, let's practice doing some cold work or? Um, I allow the coaches
2: then to take them to that as as long as they learnt their movement. Yes, Yes, definitely. Yeah, one of the things I'm doing, say for strength-wise myself, because I'm so looking at trying to bench press, significant weights at the moment. Mm. Well, basically, I will go into a weight now that I can do ten reps with just. But that's my first warm-up set. Yes, I'm it's... into that hard. Yes, I probably um, go into an isometric contraction with you know 200 kilos off the racks, cold. Yeah. Yeah. because I can, I know how to do it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I wouldn't yep. tell a lot of other people because I might use bad strategies to get there, but I'll set up and I'll put under it because isometric contraction is one of the biggest producers of hypertrophy. Mm. So we understand that. So I look at if I'm trying to get some hypertrophy going to get bigger weights. Mm. I do use isometric work quite often. Hey, guess what? Isometric contraction of the spine. There's your, there's your neutral spine being held correctly. Mm-hmm. So that's why it also works especially importantly to work that neutral before we go to flexed. Mm. It's great you, science.
0: When you've got someone with, um, with poor technique and you want to get 3,000 reps of good technique into them, yep. what really... Say it's just a... Um, say it's me. I train yep. three, four times a week at the moment. Yep. Say I came to you five years of bad training under my belt. Yep. How hard is it and how long does it realistically take to get 3,000 good reps in so the good technique becomes the default mode rather than the, than the original technique? Depending upon your desire, mm-hmm. um, if you're really
2: motivated, probably a month. Right. If you're unmotivated... Maybe never yep. because you're just not going to do the work correctly. Mm-hmm. So if I'm teaching someone to move correctly through the hips, I actually teach you that every time you sit in a chair, how you should sit in a chair mm-hmm. so that when you stand up, you actually use the pattern. Mm-hmm. Sit down, think about the pattern. Mm-hmm. So if I get someone who's going to stand up and sit down in a chair through the day and I've taught them how to take this on consciously, they're going to come through really fast. Mm. Well, there's some, a lot of reps there, isn't there? Yeah, just Definitely. straight in. Mm-hmm. I teach them that you know, use your daily movements. As a tool that's to a achieve classic, your goals. That's a classic
0: way to think of it. Yeah. yeah.
2: I've never thought about that.
3: It's hard to adhere to. Just, yeah, just definitely. like change hard your habits. Initially. Hard to yeah, be, yeah but too. if
2: I make you think, oh, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to pull my knees out, I'm going to shoot my butt back, this is like doing a deadlift or a squat. Yeah. It's amazing how it just becomes a second nature in how you start to do things. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, yes. Know, you watch a lot of people who go to sit in a chair, they can't actually touch the chair without losing control and the velocity increasing. Yeah. One of the, the cues that as a <laughs> professional that I use is always look for acceleration in a movement. Acceleration in a movement usually indicates loss of control yep, definitely. in the, the basics when we're doing rehab. Yeah. So if I'm doing a, a Turkish get-up with somebody to have a look at their ab control, do they accelerate from the floor? Do they lose it at some point and it speeds up? Mm. And as soon as you see speed within what should be a controlled movement, you've picked it. You've yes. found, you found their weakness.
3: Well, this is um, that's really interesting. I mean, this is um, one thing I try to say with my coaches is that um, – we look for sort of quality before we try to bump the intensity up because yeah. there's cause as a CrossFit coach, right, so yeah. there's, there's a lot of dynamic things we do, and there's, I mean, things like kipping and things like touch-and-go reps and things like that. Mm. But um, it's funny, the amount of CrossFit, well, just members and, and athletes I've seen over my very short career, <laughs> yeah. but um, people that, you know, uh, can actually hold a neutral spine better during touch-and-go reps off the floor, you but that, that first pull is the worst thing you've ever seen.
2: It is. You know? it's, it's almost universal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're you're one who's made it to that next level is the one who picks the bar off the ground like on the first rep, or the same as the tenth rep. Yes, exactly. You're not, yeah. Your eyes aren't going to be on them anymore. You're going to be picking up the other person who's slack on that first rep. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I often see that. Yeah, if we set up in the practice, and yet that first rep's terrible. Great, your second mm. reps on. Now hold that, touch and go. Yeah, yeah. So you don't lose your tension.
3: Well, that's the thing. Yeah, and I mean, so from your practice, have you looked into things like keeping handstand push-ups, keeping pull ups, and do you have a view on those or?
2: Oh, It's a fine tool, essentially for the you know, depends where you're at within the sport. Mm. You know, if you've got an injury, then probably we're going to have a problem with that because you may you'll be if you've got a problem that's related to it. Where are you losing control with that? So I don't have a problem with those Mm. on a person who's developed the skill to understand how to do those. Of course. So that's really what it is. Yes. 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 There are natural movements within that. That's where it comes. We're not doing anything unnatural. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, people see other someone else do it and they use
3: a strategy as bad to try and achieve it. That's yeah. where the problem lies. Well, it's definitely functional, keeping pull-ups. I mean, we used to do yeah. keep keeping pull-ups on uh, woolly mammoth tusks. I mean, that was the thing back then, you know. You only got away from the sabre-tooth by doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. You didn't do this
2: strict bicep curl to get up there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Your legs are windwheeling everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, <of> core. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I found CrossFit's one of the greatest things that's happened to you know our health industry, I think, in so many ways, is that it's introduced people who thought gym meant sweaty people standing in front of mirrors. Yeah. Suddenly, all these people not afraid to say, I need, no, I've got to lift weights. Yeah. Unreal. It just opened the conduit and the floodgates mm. to people coming into Olympic lifting and powerlifting and yes. CrossFit and becoming healthier people. Definitely. definitely. Yeah, it's such well, a great thing.
0: All the Globo gyms now have their functional training area or they have their powerlifting yeah. Yeah. platform yeah. which they did and it was all machines and it was all like one
3: one Smith bar <laughs> yeah, rap bag yeah. or like one blog named Smith. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always uh, love
2: it. As soon as I used to see the trainers, you know, who say that you know they'd have some guy on a bosu ball with a blindfold on and you know and they'd be squatting over you know, hundred kilos and they go, It's functional and I always found functional was basically <laughs> yeah. the descriptor which means Freaking stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So true.
2: You now, doing something really strange, oh, it's functional. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? what function, by yeah, the way? Yeah, yeah, uh, no, you know,
0: could, We used to do it back in the day.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, cool.
0: <laughs> hey, Andrew, we do have to uh, get you out of here at some point uh, soon, mate. So we might just uh, – we might throw to six – for s- six from six? Six from, six? Six, yep. from we've, six? We've
3: only been doing this for about 112. So, so. Um, <laughs>
2: I know the feeling.
0: Yeah. Six you You've, six you've,
2: from you've six. only got 2,000 reps to go. Exactly, exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, firstly, um, just. uh yeah, six rapid fire questions. First three from me, th- uh, the other three from Tommy. So my first question is... Tequila. <laughs> Good answer to any yeah, questions. That much sums everything up. Thanks, <laughs> Andrew. For, uh- <laughs> yeah. um, so my first question is your favourite travel destination on the planet, somewhere that you've been... Los Angeles. Los mm. Angeles.
2: Doesn't matter where I go. If I come back to Los Angeles I go, this is where I should be. Mm. What, what is the about Los Spiritual Angeles. home. It just feels right. Yeah. Um, there's so many great gyms there. The beaches yeah. there. Venice just, Beach. It's everything. Yeah, yeah good. Gold's. Uh, You get there and you're in a you know you're in a place where you can drink the water. Yeah, you know, it's great service, great everything, great food. Mm-hmm. So that's heaven. Yeah. Awesome. Hello. Sick. So I've been to a lot of strange places, but I always come back there and go. Oh, why'd I, why didn't I just come here? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: You, you you'd, you'd fit in down the Venice boardwalk, yes. I reckon, Andrew. Oh, yes. enjoy it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> um, Let's uh, okay. Question two for me then is um, dream travel destination somewhere that you haven't been top of the bucket list. Oh, it would be the moon, the moon.
2: Yeah, Ooh, definitely somewhere to go. That's that's always probably since I was a kid, mm-hmm. I always wanted to go to the moon. Nice. Mm-hmm. Not many people have done it, and I think it'd be a great place to actually get to be and stand and have a look back at the Earth and say everybody's there, and yeah. you know why aren't we looking after this place better?
0: Yeah. I wonder if um, I wonder I like if it. with the rate of technology and Elon, Galactic, Ma- mate. Elon Musk, Virgin Galactic. I wonder if in our lifetimes we will. Have the opportunity to do that.
2: Well, I'm going to live forever, so I'm certainly going to get <laughs> yeah, there. You go. <laughs> well, not planning on dying.
0: <laughs> Give the elixir of life and uh, make <laughs> sure you sit down and to do. <laughs> yeah. um, We'll have to touch on that in round two. The, your yes. plan for living, living forever. I like the sound of it. That's but, just um, a good title of the podcast. And yeah. <laughs> you like living forever. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, how to live forever and a little bit about back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, and my last question is any great books that you recommend to people <clears> can be a novel, can be an autobiography, uh, can be a
2: self help book, can be anything. Look, I think Charles B- anything Charles Bukowski probably wrote would be great, human, gritty, honest writing. And probably if I had one book that I think I could read more than anything else it would be Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas by Hunter mm, S. Thompson. Awesome. Mm. Yep. Those sort of people who write from an experience and they're not trying to imitate anybody else. Mm-hmm. They're giving you their life and um, I think a lot of lessons out of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they'd be the sort of people I'd read. Bukowski and Thompson would start me off.
3: Awesome. Mm. So, Tommy, you're up. Andrew, uh, what do you like to do when you have some downtime? I don't have downtime so that's no. over okay it doesn't Next exist no, 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 okay moving <laughs> what, on what is, what is downtime yeah, yeah that's right yeah um, well I think it, Webster's dictionary defines downtime as uh, <laughs> <don't
2: even> know. <laughs> as not doing something well that just doesn't
3: happen well what about some things that you love to do um, that's probably not work related oh, there's no such thing no <laughs> uh, yeah, you make
2: it hard for me the family the kids yes. yeah they're great my son's a potential rock star he's over in Europe at the moment oh, uh, nice. touring with a band called Massive Wow.
1: Oh, yeah. um, yeah, he's awesome.
2: doing a few things he's back in south He's in South America later in the year. My daughter's been uh, doing jiu-jitsu for many years. She was a junior world champion.
3: So wow. I Seeing awesome. her pretty See. into it. Fucking hell. Cool yep. family. Jeez. Um, what about uh, a role model or someone you look up to? Someone you did previously? Or Where to or start?
2: Now? Probably the, um, you know, a lot of the, my what drove me to become who I am probably would have been Reggie Jackson of the um, New York Yankees. There uh, yep. you are. Know, Reggie's ego was great, but it was also matched up by the fact he could back it up. And I think that was always something I always dreamed of too, was being able to back up what, by being good. Yeah. And um, Magic Johnson, I can remember, the basketball mm. player. I never played basketball really, but um, his attitude to life was something that always inspired me. So they were the two probably role models growing up that probably yes. shaped the way I took on everything else. Mm. And then obviously you've got to throw Schwarzenegger
3: in there at
1: some <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah, <laughs> He's a legend. The, uh, obviously
2: the
3: famous chess player, Arnold
1: Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: and uh, finally, mate, a bit of a tougher question, but uh, we'll just to see how, uh, how you go here. If you could invite three people to dinner, dead or alive, who would they be? And oh, pretty
2: easy. I'd have uh, Carl Sagan, the astronomer. Yes. um, Jacob Bronowski, who was a mathematician who became a great presenter, brilliant thinker, and probably Kenneth Clark, who was an art historian but a great thinker and. I think those three guys around the table would be sensational because they'd all connect and we'd all connect. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Anything yeah. you read that those people have ever written, that's magic work.
3: So you don't mind a bit of astrophysics? Do you? Oh, anything. Oh, well, so we've, we've definitely got to get back on board here. here. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep it here. <laughs> math,
2: maths and biomechanics all come together. The human body is very predictable. All you've got mm. to do is look at vectors and understand how things work. Mm. Access of rotation, it's all there. Moment arms, it's mm. all there.
3: Uh, beautiful, mate. That's awesome. Well, well uh, great to finally, be here. Yeah, love it. <laughs> yep. Where can where can people find you and uh, anything you want to plug? Best down. place to hunt
2: me up is on uh, Facebook under the Functional Strength Rehabilitation. So I, when I do workshops, which they're coming up this year, there's a few more happening. I'm doing a seminar at the Big Dogs Powerlifting in October. Oh cool. A couple awesome. couple of hours on shoulder rehab, which will give people exercises they've never seen before because mm. I'm the one who invented them. I haven't shown anyone else except <laughs> nice. for the patients that come. Yeah, yeah. And um, keeping in touch there is probably the best way through Functional Strength Rehab on. Uh, Facebook because that's where I'll be putting up the articles that I write anyway and mm. yeah people can learn from there beautiful cool pleasure to be here today man it was awesome to be here thanks, yeah.
0: uh, thanks for coming on the show Andrew let's, it was
2: great let's all keep getting bigger and stronger huh? yeah, 100%, cool. 100%. <laughs> alrighty
0: that's a wrap alright guys so if you are a first time listener and you love the show please get uh, subscribe far out Didn't do that very well. Uh, Please subscribe. If you're a multi-time listener, go ahead and leave us a rating and review, please. It helps us climb the charts and uh, helps us keep this show rolling into the future. Also, guys, the show notes can be found at www.eventurefittravel.com forward slash radio. Anything there that we mentioned in the show, anything that we mentioned in the show will be linked there. Also, head to Audible, to audibletrial.com forward slash advfradio for one free audiobook and 30 days. Also, Quash Creative, Q-U-A-R-S-H, creative.com. I mentioned radio and you'll get a free SEO report or report on your existing brand. And finally, head to AdventureFit travel www.adventurefittravel.com. Use the code word radio and you'll get 10% off any and all trips. See you next week.